Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On this week's episode of Barbecue and Tech, five things we've learned from YouTube videos to game i'm your host rod simmons joined by my partner crime co-host and the gentleman who has another wagyu brisket on the smoker at this moment in time chris ashley what up man what's up boy yeah your brisket is uh it's uh it, it's looking good I, i'm so like, tired that i did not take any pictures of it i didn't take any pictures of it seasoned i didn't take any pictures of it on the smoker i didn't take any pictures of it when i wrapped it it's uh, it, this is a different smoke. It's just gonna be a surprise. It's gonna be a surprise, right? And uh, the reason why is because uh, you you're actually not using this brisket until dinner, and correct? So, yes. which is generally a couple hours later than how I typically time out my briskets, right? So normally I can put on a brisket around eleven to midnight and then i expect to be cutting that brisket you know somewhere in that two o'clock hour but you're you actually added two hours to that process which means that's two hours i had to wait <laughs> so i actually didn't end up putting a brisket on until about two thirty in the morning so normally i would go to my to our local um barbecue place and i would have bought more pellets but uh there's a point in time where i saw i think it was an episode i feel like it was the, the uh, mad scientists where they did a review of pellets and which ones like which ones were better pellets mm-hmm. i feel like i saw it i'm trying to find the video because there are a couple pellets like i remember like like smoky mountain or something like that like i remember there are a couple pellets he said buy these because they're like when it says it's oak it is actually oak it's not like soaked in oak or soaked oh. in this or soaked in that. That you so, actually learned from me, but go ahead. Um, I'm trying to figure out what episode it was where they recommended which pellets to buy. And then uh, some of them, they say they burn quicker. So you go, even though these are more expensive, they burn slower. So you go through them, they go through them a little bit slower than what you typically go yes, through. So typically from my experience and what I've learned when I was using the pellet smoker is that when you, when you get the pellets that are actually the the wood species that is that it says it is yep those tend to actually burn faster and then um if you get like the oil flavored wood so that's typically like an alder wood that they've made into pellets and then they soak it in the oils from the wood species that it says it is those actually tend to burn slower 
and more cons not more consistent, but just they just burn slower. So you can tend to run through. That was my experience, you know, years ago. I haven't messed around with it in quite some time. Yeah. So I, like I said, I just need to I need to figure out which. So you're trying episode. to figure out which ones you like because you so you haven't reordered. Yes, and like I say, the pain in the butt is like you're like, oh, I remember watching this episode. You know how many barbecue shows I watch, and then how many might have the word pellet in them where you're trying to figure out like right. oh my like I can remember I can visually remember the thumbnail he was out he was at some barbecue place with some other guy and they had a bunch of different smokers and they were showing bags as pellets yeah literally I have no idea how I'm going to find this episode so this has been yeah, a hunt you just for me have to, yeah you just have to go through and uh, and, and, and if people are wondering why you don't look at the bags you like I like I do I would get a bunch of pellets and I would just dump them into a container and label the container. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's always what I do because uh, like my, my pellets stay outside. So, and they're in a, they're in like, I have a cabinet outside where I keep it all, but the cabinet's not waterproof, but the, the, the uh, plastic containers are, so they can just sit out there all year long. It doesn't matter. They're fully protected. But obviously the problem is, like you said, I don't keep those bags. I just label it that these are pecan. These are Oak. These are this, these are that. And uh, my last smoke that I did, I, I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have no pellets left. And I was like, I kept telling myself as soon as I ran out, I was going to go buy the pellets they recommended. And I thought I bookmarked the show so I could come back to it later and I can't find it. So that's my, that's my world, but let's, let's jump into some, uh, well, I should be clear about, uh, so the, what we're doing today is, um, you know, over the years, I've watched tons and tons of barbecue shows. Some of them, I, you know, are not as watchable as others. Um, even like one of my favorite shows that I watched and I still rewatch to this day is Barbecue Pit Masters. And I go back to season one and the feel yeah. in season, season one, one was the best. It was is way different than what it evolved into. Like the more they did it, the more they started turning it into kind of like a reality feel. And I, I just cannot stand the contrived reality formula that is used uh, ever on every reality show you have this competition or what this this thing and then you know they obviously do the introductions of all the people and why they're in the challenge and then they're and then they lay out the whatever the, the challenge is going to be for the day there's always a twist okay we're going to add in this thing to make it a twist then there's the uh-oh if this doesn't get done in time, I may not have anything to turn in. They, there's always the <laughs> the up against the clock at issue, and then there's the final judging. You know, you know what the, really, you know what really pisses me off on those shows. What? It's not. It's exactly everything you said, but it's also the where the person says, "Oh, this is like it's like any show where you're like, oh, this is very salty, like any cooking show, and then the 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 host are like, oh, this is a very salty thing, or whatever it is." That they like, it, like I didn't have enough time to finish this. It just looks like you didn't have enough time to get this dish finished. And you're like, you were God. literally watching me cook. <laughs> <laughs> like you, I saw you sitting there seeing me, you know, running out of time. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you tied your shoe today. Yeah, I was just sitting right next to you in the locker room. <laughs> just silliness, and that, I, I, that stuff drives me nuts in any show and i love watching like beat bobby fillet it's always oh, the same thing there I, I will i love that show uh all the barbecue shows always have that even like when you have like the house 
remodeling. It's like, oh, we have to hit this deadline. Otherwise, we're going to lose the contract and blah, 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 blah. You know, I watched this show. Uh, I can't, I'll pick up the name of it, but it's basically based out of Canada where these loggers are there and they're, uh, you know, cutting down trees, which I always find kind of interesting where, you know, where this wood starts at and how they it get it out. Guilty pleasure. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, if I don't get this tree out of here, we're never, we're going to, I'm going to lose my business every week. It's, I'm going to lose my business. And I'm not saying it's not, obviously everybody has to be, you know, productive and six in order to be successful, but it's just like, oh, the city shut down this road. It's like, really? Oh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to rebuild this boat and I'm going to haul the trees through the water instead. And it's just like, okay, I guess, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, if I don't get this coal patch, it, the boat's going to sink. Really? Wow. What a concept. <laughs> I never knew that was coming. <laughs> so it's just, it's just all contrived and stuff like that. But with that said, I know we spent a good two minutes railing on this stuff. Inevitably, I do tend to learn at least one little tip per episode. I, I don't think I've ever seen an episode where I was like, huh, that's not that's interesting though that they did that. I want to give that a try. And so what I just and so what we're trying to do on this episode is encourage people, hey, watch some of these shows or some of these cooking shows because you know, we all can continue to learn and somebody is always has a pretty cool tip. That you might, oh, wow, never thought about that, you know, and let me try, give that a try. And so we, we, I've kind of compiled a list of probably, I don't, I don't necessarily want to call them my top five tips, but definitely these are ones that I consistently use. And I'm watching a new, uh, barbecue show on Hulu right now where I've just kind of, I've been thinking about doing something for a while and it's, it's about a competition, uh, and, uh, the, you know, what these guys are all using racks when they're cooking their food. So they got the, you know, they, they, they have the little, uh, uh, uh wire racks and the, the food goes on the rack and then the rack goes into the smoker. So it's never actually touching the, uh, the actual smoker itself, uh, because they're trying to go for presentation, right? Right. And so for me, you know, obviously we, we've always talked about how you eat with your eyes first or whatever, but in the end, it's like, um, you know, I at least like to do that with some chicken wings and stuff like that to kind of make the air flow all the way around it. And then, uh, so, you know, so, you know, just incorporating more, uh, racks. So I was actually been looking to order some that can fit in the, in the, um, aluminum foil pans. And uh, stuff like that. And then uh, I have a second honorable mention one where it is uh, is this was done by uh, uh, who's our cat from uh, Texas with the the brisket. Um, Mad scientist? No, 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 no. Uh, Franklin. Franklin. Yes. So he has a we I watch his video for smoking turkey every year for Thanksgiving ever since I switched to smoking turkeys and the one the one tip that he had on there was to load that turkey up with butter when you uh, wrap, wrap it so he has a process and I'd encourage anyone to go check it out if you're planning on smoking a turkey um I don't think his turkey was the most eye pleasing 
um, in the end. Uh, and that's because he used a pretty heavy grain black pepper. And so the turkey was more on the, on the blacker side than that kind of brownish turkey look that I, I tend to like. Yep. Um, so, so, but with that said, when he cut that turkey, it, it looked fantastic, you know, and it really contrasted well with the, you know, with the white of the turkey in the, and the skin on the outside. So I, I really like that. Um, but, you know, turkey is, te- does not carry a lot of fat, right? That's why it tends to be a bit healthier for folks. But, you know, for Thanksgiving, we want that thing to be super delicious. And so, you know, one of the, if you go and look at the obscene amount of butter that he put in there to kind of baste the turkey as it's cooking, but then that becomes a nice juice. So when you slice the turkey, it can kind of fall into that. And man, it just really stepped up the elevated my turkey game uh, when I was smoking it. So that's something I definitely uh, take advantage of. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about, are we doing Thanksgiving this year together too? funny you mentioned that uh emily just asked me what we were doing for thanksgiving yeah and uh, i had not i had not figured that out yet because uh obviously by then i'm intend to have my mother living with me um so whether we i said it would probably make it easier if we go somewhere um as opposed to uh then we're gonna be doing thanksgiving again this year we'll uh we'll get the We'll get the planning going on that very shortly here because actually we should do something very soon because our neighbors to the north in Canada have Thanksgiving. Oh, it might be next week for Canada, actually. Uh, it was last week. It was last week? Yep. Wow. All right. Well, we missed it in Canada. <laughs> yeah, they're way Did ahead of us. Did not even think about that. Yeah, yeah. They're way ahead of us. And uh, yeah. uh, my buddy, uh, Sean, who we had on the show last year um, for teaching us sous vide, um, in which we're going to have back on to kind of... Uh, but what's you know to kind of get some next what's next with the sous vide stuff uh um started telling me some of the things he was doing with his turkey and it it sounded amazing so yeah all right so let's jump into these uh tips yeah so my number coming in for me i i i'm gonna say i put it in an order um but you know uh the way i feel about it e- I could interchange where they stand, but probably the one that, that stood out to me is like, this is probably the first tip that I ever took. Okay. Um, I, I got it from barbecue pit masters early on in this, in when I was watching it. And that was wrapping ribs in foil with butter and brown sugar. Um, That the steaming that occurs when you wrap the ribs but then basting it in that butter and brown sugar and then being able to take that, you know, the, the au jus, if you will, that's created from the pork cooking in there. And then they, you turn it around and turning it to, into a glaze, adding some barbecue sauce to it and putting it right back on top when you're doing that final stage. Man, it just, that is something that elevated my rib game immensely. You know, because I would just throw them on, let them cook through, and that's fine. You know, if because I'm not here to say that you can't cook ribs without wrapping them, but to me, I like the aesthetics of them when they're wrapped in some foil, and also the way I wrapped them. So originally, you would just you know put them in some foil and flip it over a couple times, and then close it up, and you know it just became a a bit of a pain to create that steam, and now. What I've learned is kind of tent that wrap, right? So you put the the rib in the middle of the foil 
bring up both sides till it looks like a tent. And then I just put those the two sides together and then roll it down towards the rib and then fold the outsides in. So now there's more room to create that steam on the inside of the rib um, and perfect amount of room to for those juices to flow. And then it makes it easy so I can open it, fold out one side, tilt that rib sideways to get the sauce out of there. You know, to get the juices out of there before I open the rib and put it back on for the for the final smoke. Yeah, the other way that I found, like when I'm if I'm taking them off because they're done, and I get to the bowl, I've also found that if I just take a pair of scissors and cut, like kind of right in the middle, mm-hmm. and then just let it pour in, versus trying sure. to do the the distant pour, is just like snip and then just let it pour right out of the middle, even with the ribs in it. Because yep. at the middle, it's like kind of where it sags and it just pours right in. But I will agree that the steaming effect you get, like I'm, I'm definitely a huge fan that if you built a great bark, I do love to say, well, I built a great bark. Why do I want to steam it and then destroy the bark I built? So I, I do, I'm a, uh, like I told you, when we went to rendezvous, like I was like, Oh my God, I love dry rub ribs. Like I just, just love this. Um, but I also like it this way as well. And I'd probably say that it, I feel it's short. It, the ribs are super juicy this way. It shortens the cooking, that cooking process tremendously. And I feel that when you finish it off, you still get that, that still that nice, like uh, saucy edge that you want on your, your ribs. So um, I'm going to tell hundred percent. Anybody that uh, is wrapping their ribs or are thinking about like, you know what? Now that I heard it on here, I'm going to give it a shot and shout out to all the new fans. I, I love seeing the tweets of, you know, just the other day, somebody was like, oh, man, I found a show that mes- melds my two favorite passions together. So that was really cool to see. Um, but uh, I would say you don't need to wrap the ribs long. You know, the the typical uh, rib, if you like you look up online, how to cook ribs, you normally see like a, a three, two, one. And I think that's nonsense. I think yeah, that's it's worthless. Far too long. Far too long. You know, you don't need to wrap ribs for two hours. That's just silliness. You know, um, you know, for me, I'll wrap them for no more than an hour. I've done as short as 45 minutes. I'm really just kind of looking for to make sure the meat is pulling back on the, the end of the bone. Um, but I don't want that thing to turn to mush uh, on there while it's doing that. So um, it's something you have to play with, you know, your temperature, your smoker, the temperature you're smoking at. Um you know, I tend to smoke ribs around. I tend to smoke most foods now around 250. I'm just finding that to be like a sweet spot for my smoker. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, probably my number five uh, right. in, in the list. So I'm still going to put them at number one for everybody who's listening because I'm going to put them in the order that we were talking about in the notes. Um, mine, slightly, di- I'll say slightly different. And it's, um, if you've ever... Like I'm, I'm definitely sold on sous vide for cooking steaks. But if you like to grill steaks, it's how do you get the perfect grilled steak? And I read this article actually in a magazine called Fine Cooking. I, like I said, I like cooking. I like all types of cooking, and I, I've subscribed to this magazine for, it's like to say, the better part for over a decade. Um, and they had this one article which I'm going to find a link to because they, they do have almost all their articles online, and I'll, I'll make sure I put it in the show notes but how to grill a perfect steak. And the one thing it really talked about was the great temperature. And I think that's where, if you want to screw up with grilling a steak, 90% of it starts with the great temperature and it's not being hot enough. And in the article, I'll never forget the way they described it was take your hand and put it over the flame. Like 
put your hand over the grate. It, you, one, you don't want flame. You want hot, hot coals. If you can only keep your hand there for about a second before you have to pull away because it's too hot, you're at your grilling temperature was the one thing. And then they talked about the, the actual cook process. So and I, I don't remember the exact times I was trying to find the article online right before we jumped on the show, but I just, I couldn't locate it. Um, but it was like start on the first side for about, I think it was like about five minutes, which is you're essentially developing your main crust, which is going to be the, really the top of your steak. Then you flip, cook, slide to rest, and you get a perfectly rare, or if you need, you add a minute and you can go from rare to medium rare and so on and so forth, depending upon what you like cook. But it really did demystify, if you will, some of that when you're trying to cook a steak. And often, I think when we make the mistake, it's usually because we're trying to rush to get something done. Like you get home from work, you're trying to cook some steaks, you turn the grill on and you go out and you're like, it's, it, you know, you see, you see smoke, but is it hot enough? And that was the perfect thing. And I think the other problem people get into is they flip the Dagon thing way too often. We won't talk about your old days of pressing steaks, <laughs> but I, it was nice because someone said, said, look, look, put it down, give it five minutes, five to seven minutes was really the range of time they gave. Give it that on the first side and then turn it. And the main thing you're trying to deal with is flare-ups. It's okay for it to be super hot. You're trying to get the good grill marks. You're trying to develop that crust, turn it and go. And yeah, you for actually me, that's, wanted to char on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So to, for me, it was that article in Fine Cooking Magazine for properly grilling a steak. Cause it, I, and yeah. again, it's it's a. I think I don't want to have barbecue limited to just smoking when we're talking about it. But for me, that was one of the best things I've seen. And I know it wasn't a YouTube video. I know it's a it's a article that yeah. I read, but I've seen a, a number of people since on YouTube videos have very similar content about how hot should the grill be. And to me, that was just a very good visual of yeah, hand over, got to pull it away. We should be clear. You know, these tips are not just strictly from YouTube videos. Yeah. But, uh, um, there will be one or two for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so next, next? so next up for me is uh, wrapping brisket in brisket paper versus using foil. Um, this is another tip that kind of helped me really hone in on my brisket. And, um, you know, for, I started out doing brisket and foil. That's, it, that's what I kind of saw first. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, I was getting good brisket, but I wasn't paying attention to all the nuances of the brisket, having that great crust and then protecting it and, uh, making sure it's reaching a certain, uh, you know, moisture level and, um, and all of that stuff. So when I realized that I was getting a good moist brisket, but it still had room to grow that I found that getting that, you know, that crust made a difference where you just bite into the outside of it. You get that burst of flavor, but then as you're getting into brisket, you're getting the deep, uh, beef flavor that, that I enjoy, um, as well. And so, um, you know, learning how to wrap it and butcher paper, uh, stat, you know, taking literally, I, I, I remember initially trying to put the brisket on the butcher paper and then wrap the whole thing in, you know, in, in one tear out of it and learning then is like, no, no, just take two strips the same length, sit them side by side and then. Um, wrap it that way so that it fully extends past the brisket and you can get a nice tight uh, wrap on it. Um, definitely elevated my brisket game. I definitely, um, you know, and then 
it, it, it just it just made the brisket come out more consistent. And now and I still will periodically grab a brisket and I'll smoke it start to finish without ever wrapping it. I still do that. But the reality is for me, I, it still doesn't it doesn't tend to be as g- good as when I wrap it. And um, and if I watch some of the greats in the industry and, the you know, like the Myra Mixon and, you know, Franklin and some of these guys um, that do it and and wrap it, it, it's like it's like I remember when I was trying to learn how to golf and I was telling myself not to take lessons. Right. And then you find <laughs> out that Tiger Woods, the greatest golfer in the world, takes lessons. Right. So it's like uh, you stink. Why don't you? And you're refusing to take lessons. And the greatest golfer in the world still takes lessons. Doesn't make any sense. Right. So, um, so why not follow some tips from people that, you know, have won hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, uh, cooking the same thing that you're trying to learn how to cook? Yep. Would agree on that one. Yep. Can't argue there. And I will, I, so you know what's interesting about the, I know you, you, t- you use a lot of butcher paper. So you tend to buy it like probably on Amazon in bulk. Um, but I know that the Reynolds has their butcher paper and I was in a pinch where I needed some butcher paper. I went to three grocery stores before I was able to find the Reynolds butcher paper. Three different grocery stores. Not everybody carries it. And I will definitely say the butcher paper, it's, it's a, I, I'm not a, I'm not, a, I think the reason probably I'm not a huge full fan is I do think it's, it's a lot about that steam that we just talked about with the ribs. And I, I feel that you preserve the bark in the, in the butcher paper. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And I haven't found a real difference between the pink or the white butcher paper. You know, I'm sure there's some difference out there that uh, people talk about, but for me and I've used both. I don't know. Aesthetically, I just prefer the pink. I think it just looks cooler when it's done and it's got that grease coming through the top of it a little bit. And you're seeing like, yeah, that looks good. But uh, I, I didn't actually see a big difference between the two. You know, and uh, this is this is like a kind of a bonus tip. You know, something I thought was interesting was that after it's done cooking, a lot of those guys will they pull it off and then they wrap it in the wrap the butcher paper in saran wrap and then put it in the warmer. And I was I like, yes, I, I don't see a need to do that if you got a good warmer. But, you know, yeah, if it worked for I, them, like I say, I just thought I was like, well, that was interesting. But uh, it, it was something I saw. But so for my my second tip is a little dirty smoke. Is not a bad thing? I'm actually providing a link in the show notes to a video from uh, the bad scientist where he said he made a barbecue mistake a few years ago. And it was always about coming out of the, the, the top. You should have perfectly clear. You don't really want to see the smoke. And I was watching an episode where he, he talked, he's like, obviously you don't want the pillows of like, looks like a house is on fire type uh, smoke, but a little bit of dirty smoke actually early in the process is actually not a bad thing. And it actually does give you that deeper smoke flavor. And I, I had mentioned on, on the show before that I tend to, because I use a pellet smoker, I tend to do a lot of low because I, that's when the pellet smokers produce the highest volume of smoke. I don't do it too low because I don't want it to be super dirty smoke. But at that lower temperature, I can generate a lot more smoke. And when I was listening to his show talking about, um, that, little bit of dirty smoke isn't actually a bad it's actually a good thing and it will give you that deeper that richer taste and not bitter in your barbecue i was like 
oh, okay. So I will include a link to the episode where he actually talks about it. And he definitely said that he saw a difference in his, the quality of his barbecue by adding a, letting it have a little bit of dirty smoke uh, during the cooking process. So that was a, a great tip for me. And I'd already started going down that pathway, but then when I saw the episode, it actually confirmed that I wasn't crazy because I was like, oh my God, the smoke flavor in this is a lot better, but I feel like I'm doing something wrong because of what everything I've read and watched in the past. Well, I, I would, from from my perspective, I would put a caveat on that, that I I would more do that with a pellet smoker than with a wood burner smoker. Yeah, he was doing it with an offset, man. Uh, like I I'm say, sure he, hey man, hey, I'm not. He's a pro, so he's a pro. I'm not. I'm a backyard smoker, but for me, um, you know, and I, I guess it it depends on what you what he considers a little dirty smoke, right? Because it was rather yeah. than perfectly clear, it was like a slight haze of white to it. Well, to me, that's that's kind of standard, right? I don't I don't find that to be dirty, right? Like when mine is going, it's and I'm and I feel like it's ready. It's you know I, I get when I lock in the temperature, it's more bluish with the light, you know that light white smoke coming out of it. Yep, and uh, I've never ever had barbecue come out uh, that's not deep smoke flavor all the way yeah. through the meat. So yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting nonetheless for folks. But I, I would just tell people to caution i would not take because i've definitely when we first started smoking we're like oh i need that i need a cloud in oh hell coming out of that thing and that was definitely a much bitter uh smoke so i would definitely tell people to cautiously go down that path uh and and learn your smoker learn what you learn what it uh, what it looks like then you can just decide that if it, if you need more to kind of you know put it in a little earlier or at a, at a little bit lower temperature to get a, you know, to get that uh, more smoke in it. But it, yeah, if you feel like you need more smoke in your meat, I, to me, I think mine is perfect. So cool. All right. What's your number three item? Uh, so number three, I learned uh, from watching barbecue pit masters and this was a uh, layering the rubs. I, we've talked about this numerous times so we don't have to beat it to death, but um, the reality is uh, I would just I would take a bunch of seasonings, mix them together and then season whatever meat I was cooking. And it would it, to me, it tasted good. But I, I don't I can't quite put my finger on why I feel like it was better. I, I can say from just seasoning the meat and putting them on in layers, I can really gauge if there's spots that are missing. You know, so when you mix it together, you can't necessarily control the even spread of the of the seasoning. But like if I start out with like some salt and pepper on directly on the meat, I can see exactly if there's a spot that I didn't hit very well. But then if I switch up and put like a, uh, you know, like, like a rub with that has more uh, paprika and stuff into it, I when that red reddish color that goes on top of the salt and pepper, I can then the contrast and colors I can now see up. Oh, there's a spot that I missed. Um, but also when you get to the end and you're eating it, I, I just find that it, when I bite into it, I do get different experiences as my, as the food hits different parts of my tongue and I'm, you know, different flavors, the savory or the spicy or whatever is, is resonating di- uh, differently. So 
to me. Right. Yeah, that's that would be my number three. I like that one. So my number three actually will be what we started off the show with at the top of the hour. So as you were you were chatting at the top of the hour, I was like, it was annoying me literally that I could not find this episode and. I did what what people we typically do is like, I know I watched it before. So I go to my history in YouTube and of course I can't find it in my YouTube history. And I was like, let me just go to the mad scientist website or to their YouTube page. And if you've ever been to a YouTube page, there's a little search button on the page where you're only searching their shows. And I typed in the word pellet and bang it was. And the topic of the show was our Traeger pellets, a scam. And I remember watching that and I was like, Oh, well let me watch this because I want to know, and I watched the whole episode. It's like only like a 12, 13 minute episode. Um, great episode, but he goes through a variety. And I looked, I looked immediately looked at the show notes and I was like, yep, there's all the pellets. Uh, and he has YouTube or Amazon links to all the different pellets. So I will, for my, my pick, it will be, um, uh, like the best pellets to use for your pellet smoker. Um, because again, I, I want to say that it was the Green Mountain Grills pellets were the ones that kind of came to the top of this list, but there were a couple that were, that were, that I felt he kind of stacked ranked a little higher than others. I need to go back and relook at the episode. I'm so excited that I finally found it and I, I was stupid for looking at my YouTube history versus knowing what I watched and just going to the site and looking at it. But yeah, best pellets for your smoker. And, uh, now that I know what they are, I can order and I would have, done the search right last week when i started looking for this i wouldn't have annoyed you to go cook a brisket for me ah whatever my wife was like does he not know how to cook brisket (laughs) (laughs) well i don't as good as you and i i'm not ashamed to admit that but i will say i i need to order some beef ribs again because i know you would have been impressed with these beef ribs and they looked good and i said save me some and you saved me none so I you almost have to burned, understand. I almost my, burned her brisket just just for that transgression. My, my kids, the way they go through expensive meat is staggering. So, uh, yeah, yeah, fun time. It's all but good. Yeah, it's all good. Go. Um, so number two uh, is definitely uh, from the mad scientist, and use he was the first person that I saw uh, using beef tallow on the brisket. I definitely find that it to, it just creates a richer flavor in the brisket uh when it's done um it adds to the to just just to the to the the look of it you know it's a it tends to, to me to come out a bit juicier and uh you know I, now i've seen folks out the uh, videos out there where people are adding they did just throwing it on there like like it's like they don't have to do anything else. Like all I got to do is put this glob of uh, beef tallow. I don't find that to be necessary whatsoever. I use enough to kind of put a nice sheen on the brisket. And, uh, and then I've just dropped some more seasoning on top of that. And I, you know, but these guys are getting ridiculous. That stuff is not cheap, you know? So yeah, you got a YouTube channel, you've got tons of followers and can waste money like that. To me, I don't find that to be necessary at all. I'd probably take about a good two, three tablespoons, put it in a uh, in a condiment uh, bottle, and then I just throw it in the microwave for about you know ten seconds and ten. No, sorry, about thirty seconds. And then once I get it liquid enough, I just kind of squirt it over top, so I can not only can I control the amount that's used, but anything that's not used, I can put it in the refrigerator, let it harden back up, and just use it next time. You know what I mean? And so 
I, I would tell, I would say that definitely improved my brisket uh, using beef tallow. And if you don't use beef tallow um, or you don't want to spend the money on it, uh, I definitely started out using ghee, uh, which is a clarified butter. That worked really well. Um, or you can uh, simply just use some butter, you know, melt some butter, put it in there and then add in like a little spritz of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, beef uh, broth. And uh, you, basically you're just adding some moisture, but the, the tallow is literally, you know, beef fat. So um, you're, you're putting the main, you're letting it based in the main ingredient that makes that thing delicious. So that definitely was a tip that I found that, uh, um, that has elevated that. I felt like, even though I've at that point, when we watched that for the first time, I felt my brisket was pretty strong. You know what I mean? There's for, for having years and years and years and hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars really into doing brisket. And yet there's still another tip that I could use to kind of then get it to the next level. Yeah. So I like it. So mine will be actually a tool that I think we all tend to use. I think we all have instant read thermometers we leverage for um, checking the temperature of your brisket or whatever it is you're cooking. I always, I know early on I was like, why the heck am I going to pay all this money for a thermopan? Like it's just, it's just ridiculously priced. And I, and I felt that way for a long time. I was like, I can buy an instant read pen that is like $25 or $20. And it does last. It lasts a very long time. It works just fine. Why am I paying all this extra money for a thermopan, which might be, you know, a hundred bucks or, or something to that effect. Then what I kind of learned or discovered with thermopen, it's, it's about the speed at which these things read. Now I think it's, I think it's no longer the MK4. I think it's now the thermopen one is that within a second. Literally one second, you have your temp reading. And what I found with the cheaper uh, pens that you leverage is that often you plug it in, it's like tick, 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 tick. So I might have my smoker open for 10 seconds checking the temp in one spot and then another spot and then another spot. And then I might have to do another item and another, another spot, another spot. So I might have the smoker open, just dissipating all this heat out of the smoker, just trying to do like two, three, uh, like temp readings across like beef ribs or chicken or something to that effect. So for me to make it very simple and easy, I, I recommend the thermopen, man, like the speed at which you get your readings. It's like, boop, got my reading, boop, got my reading, boop, boop, boop. And honestly, I now find that I can close my smoker 10 seconds. I can do temperature readings. If I, yeah, and that's doing great, four or right? five of those. It's if you're looking, you ain't, you ain't cooking. And we've yeah. learned that, you know, that theme throughout watching all these YouTube videos and shows. Now, of course, that doesn't mean never look at it. You need to look, you need to check, you need to keep hands on to make sure, you know, ev everything that you're look, you're reading in your instruments, you know, you're, there's been plenty of times like this, even this morning, like before we started rec uh, recording, um, my, uh, my meter was saying the temperature was one thing, but the temperature on, on the smoker on the probe was way out of whack. And so I needed to go investigate that. And, you know, as it turns out, it looks like my, my, um, my probe for the, for the flame boss was, it was going bad and they go bad. 
you know, so I would definitely, and thankfully I had another one on hand because I've learned to keep multiples because the probes go bad. And, um, you know, just, I, I swapped it out and the temperatures were more in line with each other. So, yep. um, you definitely want to keep hands on and, but you know, the more you can let that thing cook, the better off you're going to be. Yep. So mine, like I say, Thermopan one, uh, it's again, it'll set you back. I think they're on sale right now. So if you're listening and you're interested in grabbing something, they are actually on sale. They're normally 105 bucks, which is why I was always hesitant to get one, but now you can get them for 69 bucks. So, uh, I would definitely jump in there and actually I will include the, I'll include the link that I got from the mad scientist. Cause I think he has, I think he might, his might be a little discount on top of that. So, um, I will put that in there so that everybody can uh, go get themselves a thermopen. All right. So my number one tip that I think I use the most right now. Uh, well, not, not that I use the most. I use it every time I do a brisket. Um, I find that uh, based on a few different situations that I've had over the years, it's made a huge difference. And I still think um, based on the first thing I'm t- I, I talked about, that I can still even make it even better. And that is panning my brisket, even though it's wrapped. This one, so I take my brisket out, I wrap it in the butcher paper, and instead of putting that directly against the grate, I actually put it in a pan, in an aluminum foil pan, and then put the whole pan back into the smoker. One, it makes it so much easier to get the brisket out when it's done. Two, I have definitely had the situation where I was grabbing the brisket to take it out and I guess a piece of the paper got caught in the grate of the and tore and half the juices that I had in the brisket poured out onto the ground, just gone. And so being able to just grab that pan and then any juices that leaks out of the butcher paper goes into the pan. So I can put it, run that through the separator, pour it back over top of the brisket or, or dip the slices into that and then serve it like that. And to me, that has probably been one of the biggest things that I saw. And I learned that Myra Mixon was the first person I ever saw do that. And, uh, I was like, genius doesn't change anything. Cause at this point it's wrapped. So it's, you know, cooking down anyways. It's more on that steaming side. And man, I just, it just, changed my brisket game again so definitely panning my brisket all right so um it was a while ago i think you sent me this video it was an aaron franklin video uh and he was showing how to break down i I feel like it was a cow carcass and i think Mm -hmm. if you've ever watched any like the the bearded butchers Mm -hmm. often you'll watch and they're constantly breaking down meat and i think one of the things i've learned from watching and I've watched on a ton of different YouTube videos, again, the Franklin one, as well as uh, the Bearded Butchers, is learning how to properly break down meat. So if, if you were, let's say you, it's like you can buy chicken thighs, you can buy chicken legs, you can also buy a whole chicken. And if you want pieces that are just, if you just want the separate pieces, you can butcher and separate them yourselves, yourself. And actually save yourself a, a couple bucks here and there. I understand if you're trying to cook 20 thighs, you're not going to buy, you know, uh, a bunch of chickens, you know, buy 10 chickens. So you have 20 thighs and then you have all this out there left over. But if you're willing to take a whole chicken or whatever the cut of meat is you have and actually do prepare it for what you want, 
you can save a ton of money. So for me, it's going to be just how to properly trim whatever the cut of meat it is, whether it be you have a brisket and you're trying to properly trim it. There's tons of videos that people show you how to trim briskets. I think those are great. If you're trying to figure out, like I, you always struggle with when you're trying to make a wings of how to properly cut between the two meaty parts of the wing to actually separate them out. And it's just, I just jam my knife through or take a cleaver and just chop through it to get through it. It's just all like, or how to like take the thigh or the, sorry, the leg properly off of a chicken and actually get through that joint. So you leave, you don't look like an amateur as you're cutting through the meat. There are tons of great videos on actually how to properly do it and actually pop the joints and then get your, your knife right between the joints and cut. I, man, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I will rewatch them typically if I know that I'm going to have like three or four chickens where I'm like just going to be separating it out because they're get, just going to, because I'm going to throw them in the freezer. But, um, rather than going to Costco and buying a whole bunch of thighs or legs or whatever it might be, um, I saved myself a couple bucks by just saying, you know what? When I bring the stuff home, I'll just go ahead and clean it up, butcher it up for myself and then put them in the proper bag so that when we want to cook it later, if we just want thighs, thighs are in one bag. Uh, legs are in another bag, wings are in another bag, breasts are in another bag. So when we, if I know I need chicken breast, I can just go grab what I need out of the freezer and go. And rather than paying for someone else to butcher it for me, I did it myself. Yeah. So that's a great tip and a, a great thing for folks to learn. Uh, I, I do tend, I watch like some of the processing videos because I want to make sure I understand where the meat comes from because you tend to pick up a tip onto why it cooks a certain way or why it reacts a certain way. Um, you know, when you're cooking it or when you're cutting it, um, or why it has a certain flavor based on where it's located on the animal. So I, that's one of the main reasons I like to watch those type of videos, but you know, I haven't worked in restaurants, uh, for years and, um, it, 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 you had to learn how to do, you know, cut at least, you know, separate a chicken out, even, you know, taking a whole chicken, and being able to then say, okay, from the, I have this whole chicken now, can I break it down into individual pieces and then um, go from there? You know, those skills help there. And my favorite thing is to, you know, I, I, I'll grab whole wings all day long instead of going to bag, grabbing bags of wings, frozen wings. I, I, I would much prefer to grab like two family packs of wings. I have a great pair of kitchen uh, shears and I, I can process those in minutes. You know yep. what I mean? I'm just so used to it now, having how to angle it and and hold it, and so I can just cut right through and separate the flats from the from the drum drumettes, and and then you know do whatever I want with the wings. So yeah, yeah. And so if you this have a good was, cleaver, that help out helps out as well. Like, yeah, uh, I I just bought one actually, so I think we probably will do an episode just based on the knives again. Because I I found a new thing that I want to talk about, but I don't that I'll say that for a different a different episode. But cool, um, man. so yes, shout out to all the listeners that's still riding with us and the new ones we've picked up. We've definitely picked up a ton of new listeners uh, over time. And uh, man, let's just keep it going, and uh, we'll definitely have a Thanksgiving episodes where we probably go through and plan our thanksgiving again and let us know if you guys are really enjoying those episodes I, I, to me it's fun to uh just brainstorm live or on the show and let people think hear what our thought process is I'm, my goal is or my hope is that people hear how i kind of or how we kind of plan out big dinners and stuff like that and uh you know maybe it gives you an idea or you know it's something you were doing 
that you you think we could benefit from we, we'd left definitely love to hear that as well yeah especially if there's a dish that you say that's it's traditional in your family you always make this dish you should definitely try this for thanksgiving i know you know, you know what i just realized is that I wonder how many people have this many get togethers like we do. Cause you think about all year long, we're planning this or planning that. And it's like, this is just another big meal and another big meal. I'm like, is that typical or are we way out of bounds here? <laughs> we are always doing something big. And I'm sure they're like, why do you guys make so many briskets? And for me this weekend, uh, my son came home from college. So, uh, he's learning that dorm food is not as good as what you get at home. So yeah, was first, like, right. what was the first question he asked you when he came? Yeah, he was looking for the beat. He's like, is there anywhere brisket? I'm like, brisket? And I realized that his siblings had sent him photos of the beef ribs we had. So he, when he came in, the first, I mean, he went from the car in the house into the refrigerator looking for, are there any beef ribs left? Once we, we figured out there wasn't, I was like, we're making a brisket. It'll be ready for Monday. So, uh, he will have some brisket. It'll be good. Very cool. All right. Let's bounce up out of here, man. Another episode in the hole. And we have some stuff we're trying to, plan for us some future episodes i think it's going to be super cool i'm just hoping that it comes to fruition absolutely man so all right we out folks talk to you later peace here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 